without fear of getting um, the coronavirus. We can be meeting here without fear of, of uh, uh, someone disrupting our services and closing us down, Lord. Um, we can worship you freely. We thank you for that. What a blessing. And we, we can bless each other with our fellowship and, and uh, encourage one another. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we, we pray for those who are traveling um, this week. Uh, Lord, to go into Israel, we pray that you would protect us from, from the coronavirus, Lord. Um, give us wide berth from anyone who might be infected. And then, Lord, we pray that none of us would get sick and get pulled out of line and, um, and made to um, <laughs> be in isolation for 14 days, Lord. We we do not want that to happen, so we pray that you would keep that from happening. And we pray for a worshipful time, a time of learning and growth, Lord. So we, we just pray for a, a great trip. And then, Lord, we pray for Tracy McCarty as she, um, she got stabbed this week. And, Lord, we thank you for sparing her life. We pray that no infection would, would enter her body that she would heal up from this, and Lord, not just heal up physically, but also emotionally, and um, also spiritually, Lord, that that uh, you would work in her life and bring healing. And the same uh, for Bob, Lord, help 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 Bob, Lord, in this. Um, Lord, just um, comfort him, strengthen him, and help him um, in dealing with anger and. And all towards the person who attacked his daughter. So, Lord, we just we just pray for peace in this situation. Lord, we pray for Bonnie. Continue to sustain her. We thank you for her and her testimony, Lord. And um, continue to uh, use her to your glory in her in her remaining days on this earth, Lord. We we pray for courage for her and peace. And we thank you for that. Lord, we also want to pray for Sailor Smith as she is having, has had a real um, serious issue with pneumonia and asthma. And she's at home now, but is having to be in oxygen. We pray that her lungs would clear up so she can breathe normally on her, on her own without oxygen, Lord. And, and protect her whole family, Lord, in, in this we pray for healing. Lord, we thank you for your word, that we can get into your word, that we can understand your word, that we can grow in knowledge and in grace, Lord, and in truth. So, Lord, we ask that this morning we would have open hearts to receive your word. And, Lord, use me to your glory, please, and, and fill me with your Holy Spirit, please, as I present this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So... What are the top customer loyalty brands? Brands that people are most loyal to. Well, the number one top loyalty brand of people is Amazon. So Amazon um, is number one. Number two is, is, is Apple. Number three is Google. And then enters Dunkin' Donuts. Um, they are the first like um, regular kind of restaurant retail uh, 
outlet. So Dunkin' Donuts. And when you're in South Korea, you find Dunkin' Donuts on every, literally every block has a Dunkin' Donuts over in Seoul, Korea. Um, so I didn't know. People are so loyal to Dunkin' Donuts. Um, the, then we get into the automakers, which is down to like in the 47th. The 47th most uh, loyal customers to an auto brand is, is Hyundai. I could not believe it. I, there's no way I would have thought Hyundai would have such loyal customers. I don't hardly know how to pronounce it. And um, but Hyundai is is number one in customer loyalty. So I think I'm going to go out and buy a Hyundai. Except I don't think they make pickup trucks, so that'll be a tough thing. But number two then is Ford of the automakers of loyalty, and and number three is Toyota. So you know loyalty. We've been looking at vehicles, and I've been a quite a loyal. Chevy guy, but I think I might change brands. I'm just giving you guys a heads up. But um, uh, a loyal Chevy guy. But, you know, you get loyal to a brand, and yet even me and my loyalty, I'm kind of wavering a little bit on this. So loyalty. You know, talking about loyalty, an average American worker, how long do you think they Yeah, there we are. Okay, um, so uh, 4.6 years is the average length of a person keeping their job at one job. And for millennials, it's down to 3.2 years. 3.2 years for millennials in, in staying at the same job. The average length of marriage. What do you think the average length of marriage is today? What would you say? It's seven years. Seven years is the average length of marriage today. Um, so loyalty. You know, I, I googled loyalty, and today's definition of loyalty is allegiance or faithfulness owed by duty, pledge, or promise. Faithfulness owed by duty, pledge, or promise. So then I looked up faithfulness, and faithfulness... All right, get a good look at Jed. You're on camera, Jed. Wave at wave at the people. Oh yes. Oh, those are rechargeable. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. There we go. Thank you, Jed. Appreciate it. All right. Let's see. I'll keep this thing until Jed gets back there and gets me on. But faithfulness definition is steadfast in affection or allegiance. Steadfast in in affection or allegiance which actually is very similar to the biblical definition that we'll look at in just a little bit. You know, as I look at these things and, you know, the length of marriage and things like the length of job um, and, um, you know, other things within our society, it starts to make me think that, um, that our standard of loyalty is dropping our standard of loyalty is lessening as the years go on. Um, and, and so there's one, you know, and, and by the standard of today and our um, standard of, of loyalty, 
we might think that we're pretty loyal people. I mean, if, you're, if you've been married eight or nine years, you can be going, I'm doing pretty good. Or if you've kept your job for five years, I beat the average. You know, and you can kind of pat yourself on the back. But I think we're comparing ourselves to the wrong thing. So, um, so if we think about loyalty, God is the gold standard for faithfulness and loyalty. God is the gold standard of faithfulness and loyalty. And so today we're going to look at three points. God is faithful, he keeps his promises, and he will never leave us. God is faithful, he keeps his promises, and he will never leave leave us. So our first point is God is faithful. And um, we're going to be looking at Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. And um, God is faithful. Lamentations is a great book. It has a lot of lows in it, and then it has... A major high in it. And so I'm gonna, we're going to read Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. And I'm seeing... Okay, I'm just going to look it up here real quick and, and we'll get it. Um, it says this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases... His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So, Jeremiah wrote this right after Jerusalem was conquered by Babylon. And the Babylonians, they had put siege to the city. People were starving to the point that they even ate their babies. It was gross. It was horrible. They were eating their dung. Um, They were starving to to death. And in Lamentations chapter 2 and verse 20, it says this. It says, Look, O Lord, and see with whom have you dealt thus. Should women eat the fruit of their womb, the children of their tender care? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? In the dust of the streets lie the young and the old. My young men and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of your anger, slaughtering without pity. It was a horrible day. And so through the book of Lamentations, the first two and a half chapters, Jeremiah the prophet who lived there, who saw this, was lamenting to God on the horrors that had gone on, the horrors of judgment. And he knew it was the judgment of God. Yes, it was at the hand of the Babylonians, but God had had motivated Babylon to conquer Jerusalem because of the many sins of Judah. So, this Lamentations goes on until chapter 3, 21, and, and, and Jeremiah is 
in great agony and depression and sadness and grief. Until, in verse 21, he says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. But this I call to mind. I call this to mind and have hope. So he recalls the truth of God's love, mercy, and faithfulness. This gives hope. This gives him hope. He recalls the truths of God's love, mercy, and faithfulness. And this gives him hope. So if we look at verse 22, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. This word steadfast love is the word in Hebrew, of the word is hesed. It is a covenantal love, a covenantal mercy. It is a beneficial action on behalf of, of God's people. And so this is different. The, this love is different than a, the agape love of the New Testament, but is, it is as close as the Old Testament gets to agape love. But it's, it's love for a covenantal people. And he says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Love never ceasing. Indeed, God's love has never ceased. Now, it's, it's interesting that Jeremiah would make this pronouncement of God's covenantal love, his steadfast love, at the end of this horrible judgment and the people who survive being taken captive. But he recalls to mind God's steadfast love. 2,500 years later, here we are, and there's a nation Israel there. Though they, at the time, it seemed like they were being wiped off the map, God's love preserved a remnant, and that remnant has come back to the land it's amazing. You know, this has happened a couple times. I mean, after this 70-year captivity in Babylon, they came back to the land. And then in 70 AD, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and wiped out the Jews. And yet, here we are from that event, 2,000 years later, approximately, God's steadfast love never ceases. It might seem to, that it's all over. That God has given up on me. God has left. No, he hasn't. He made a covenant with his people and he is keeping it. His mercies or his compassions, it goes on, steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. His mercies, mercies are going the second mile, replacing judgment with restoration, even when it's not deserved. They never end. God's a merciful God. And then it says, they are new every morning. They, they referring to love and mercies. They are new every morning. Each day, experience God's new love and mercies for that day. 
Each day experience God's new love and mercies for that day. You know, when I've been in time of, of intense trial, um, the Lord has used this verse in my mind, in my heart. And each day I wake up and go, well, God's, God's going to have new mercies today. There's going to be new evidences of his love and mercies today. And so it gives an expectation and a, a looking for and recounting things that I can be thankful of that day. Some of you might be in intense trial right now. And I encourage you to take this verse and to memorize it. God promises that every day there'll be some new mercies. Now, now Jeremiah didn't preach this pie in the sky when everything was going great and he was living on a tropical island. He preached this after all his friends and or many of his friends and loved ones had been slaughtered or taken into captivity. And his loved city was destroyed. The temple was laid to waste. And he says, God's mercies are new every morning. But remember, he had to call this to mind. In the midst of the horrors of what he experienced, he had to remind himself, no, God's steadfast love, his mercies, they're new every morning. With God, there's always hope. You see, all this points to great faithfulness in in spite of judgment. All this points to God's great faithfulness, especially in this time of judgment. Great is God's faithfulness. Don't miss the word great. Great is God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness, don't miss the point that his his faithfulness is great. God's covenantal fidelity and, and integrity, that's God's faithfulness, a definition of his faithfulness. God's covenantal fidelity and integrity, his steadfastness, God's steadfastness. So we live in a world that, that faithfulness is dumbed down, steadfastness is dumbed down. You really can't count on a lot of things that you think you should have been able to count on. But be reminded, God is not like that. God is not like that. He is faithful. He is great in his faithfulness. So there's some other scriptures that I want to look at. Um, Some other verses, Psalm 119, verses 89 to 91. Psalm 119, 89 to 91 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day, for all things are your servants. So here... Faithfulness to all generations as evidenced by him establishing the earth. And it is, it is standing. It stands. And so, 
If you wonder about God's faithfulness, perhaps in your situation, your personal situation, God says that he is faithful to all generations. And, and it's understood, um, yes, in the sense, everyone is influenced by his faithfulness as the earth still stands and we can count on this earth continuing, but especially for his covenant people. He is faithful and always will be to his people. Then Psalm 57, verse 10. Psalm 57, verse 10, it says, For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. So, uh, God's steadfast love and, yeah, is is um, fills the heavens, it fills up the earth to the clouds, and so his steadfast love and his faithfulness is enormous and reaches to the clouds. So we, it fills up the earth, we see it in the stars, we see it in the heavens and in the clouds and bringing rain consistently and snow and watering the land. God's faithfulness and his steadfast love is seen. In 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13, we won't um, have it up here, but um, here it says, um, though... Um, if we are faithless, he is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Though we are faithless, he is faithful, because he cannot deny himself. Faithfulness is part of his very character. It isn't something that he has adopted. It isn't something that God has learned. It is something that is part of his character. And so he always acts out of his faithfulness. So God is trustworthy. He is steadfast. In Psalm 86, verse 15, Psalm 86, verse 15, it says, But you, O Lord, are a, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God is abounding in faithfulness. So just think about this. Abounding in faithfulness. How many years did Israel follow false gods and worship Baals? Well, it started like uh, over 400 years before he destroyed Jerusalem and and had Babylon lead his people captive. 400 years. It wasn't like year number one, they, they went after this false god of Baal and goddess of Ashtoreth, and, and so that next year God, God smote them and destroyed them. No, it was like 400 years, and he kept giving them warning, after warning, after warning, by the prophets. And sometimes they'd come back, and sometimes God would use 
other nations to battle and win some battles against them. And, and they'd repent and look for, toward the Lord and put away their, their idols. So I just want to put this in light of our lives. God is faithful. That means that the moment you do a big sin, <laughs> and that's kind of funny, a big sin. <laughs> that's in our categorization. You know, a sin that you thought, I would never do that. And all of a sudden, you've done something and you've recognized the enormity of your sin and the cost and the hurt that it has caused in loved ones around you. And maybe loved ones have left you because of that sin. Well, God, does, God isn't the one who will leave. <laughs> if you're his child, he, his steadfast love and his faithfulness stay with you. This is God's faithfulness. And so, his faithfulness is... It's powerful. It's a game changer in our lives. When you mess up big time or when you just drift a little bit, God is faithful. Our next point is because God is faithful, he keeps his promises. Because God is faithful, he keeps his promises. So Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. God who promised is faithful. So, God makes promises. Unlike us, he always keeps his promises. To the end. And so, in verses that follow... You know, and that precede this, um, immediately precede, and it talks about Jesus, a great high priest, and so being confident to enter into the holy place. And, and so, because God is faithful, let's us encourage one another in fellowship more and more. And don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but all the more as you see the day approaching, fellowship more. God is faithful. Isaiah 55, verses 10 through 11. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So we're aware of the water cycle on earth. And um, we count on it of how it rains, soaks into the soil, the plants come up, uh, the, the rain um, Causes these plants to go, it washes into the oceans or goes into lakes, it evaporates, and then it builds up moisture and it rains and snows again. God's word, God promises that his word will accomplish what he sets out to do. And so every promise that God gives in the word is going to happen because God is faithful. 
He is faithful. My word will accomplish, or God's word will accomplish what he purposed. God's word will accomplish what he purposed. And so, God speaks promises, and they're for a purpose, and they will be fulfilled. He doesn't give promises that don't have um, reality behind them. He will fulfill them. Our last point this morning is because God is faithful, he won't leave us. Because God is faithful, he won't leave us. Now, this is one of his promises. This is because God is faithful, he keeps his word. Because God is faithful, he won't leave us. Hebrews 13, 1 through 8. So, I think a lot of us, okay, and here it is. Let brother, you know, there's a whole bunch of little commands here. Preceding those, it was talking about, um, it was dealing with these Jewish Christians who were considering leaving their faith and going back into Judaism. And so the big book of Hebrews is exalting Christ and saying Christ is superior. And, and looking at how superior Christ is. And so don't neglect this great salvation. Instead, and here's a bunch of, of little pithy commands for Christians at the end of the book of Hebrews. And so it says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of the way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So, here, these, these commands, you know, keep loving, be hospitable, help the prisoners, be sexually pure, and, and keep from the love of money. And instead of loving money, be content. Why? Because God will never leave us. He will take care of us. A lot of us know this verse. We say, um, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is one of those verses of, of um, um, eternal security uh, that, that the Lord, you know, when we sin, he's not just going to leave us and we have to pray that he come back into our life. Well, the context of this is the concern about money. The concern, if you're going to have enough. The concern that... To folk, you know, that, that getting our eyes off of the Lord and onto money because maybe we don't have enough and those people back then didn't have enough. They were losing their jobs and, and so they, they were tempted to just focus on money and, and how they're going to make their ends meet. So in this context, it's the reminder, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
God will never leave us. He will take care of us. I love this picture. You know, a little child sleeping, and Jesus is there. I remember those days when, with a little baby, with little babies, and and little baby doesn't wake up at their normal time crying to, for their feeding. And you kind of go and check anyway to make sure little baby's breathing. Now Jesus is with the little baby. His angel is right there. This promise is for God's children. Never will I leave you. And then for emphasis, never will I forsake you. Forsake you means desert or to abandon you. Never will I desert or abandon you. God will not desert us. Some of you might have been deserted in your lifetime. And you've been scarred because of it. And it's hard for you to believe that Jesus will never desert you. When if he perceives you to be bad or unworthy. Well, one thing about it, we will continue to sin as Christians, and we in our own selves will not be worthy. We never were in the first place, and that's why we're saved by God's grace. And so, God will never desert us or abandon us, leaving us alone and forsaking us on some desert island, figuratively speaking. Specifically, this is talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to stay in us. He is here to stay in us. So Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 talks about the Holy Spirit. It says, In Him you also, when you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The Holy Spirit guarantees that we're going to make it to heaven. And He stays in our lives until we are in glory. This is God's promise. This is the sealing of the Holy Spirit that happens. When does this happen? When, the, when you believe in Jesus, when you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, the Spirit enters us. So when things get tough or I screw up, God is not taking off. Bosses may fire you. Employees may quit. Spouses may divorce you. Kids may rebel or disown you. Parents may disown their, their child. But God is in you for the long haul. He'll never give up. He'll never give up. If you are a true believer. It's the only qualification. If you're a true believer, God will never abandon you. He who promised is faithful. And so in verse 6, in verse 6, it says, The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Of whom will I be afraid, right? So, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What What can man do to me? No one can take God out of my life. Uh, they can make me poor. 
They can persecute me. They can take our life, but they can't take our soul. The Lord is our helper, and we don't have to be afraid what people will do to us. He promises to meet our needs financially and take care of all of our, our, all of our needs. God will take care of us. He is our rock. He is faithful. And verse 7 talks about leaders. Follow your godly word-based leaders and imitate their lives. That's one, one remedy to giving up on your faith. It's no, follow those who lead you. And, and it's implied that they're faithful leaders. And then in verse 8, it's a great, a great truth that God's faithfulness is based on him not changing. And so it says, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. It's not like Jesus is changing his mind. It's not like Jesus is growing in understanding. Jesus is consistent. So when he saved you, yay, many years ago, you, you know, years ago for you, whatever that is, whether it's a year or 40 years or 70 years, whatever it might be, he hasn't changed his mind about that. He hasn't said, well, I'm taking back that salvation that I gave you. He's not, he's not doing that. You see, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. He doesn't change. He is faithful. He is faithful. Matthew chapter 20, 28 and verse 20 says, and this is, this is the last verse of the Great Commission. It says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is with us always, both as individuals and as a church. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus, in talking to Peter after Peter's confession, he says, upon this I build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. God is always with us. Jesus is with us. I love this. You know, I, I can't read all the small print. But there's other scriptures here of Psalm 139. You know, he made us in our mother's womb. Even before that, he planned us. He made us. He saved us. He knows the day of our death. He will never give up on us. Now, this is a promise for his children. If you're claiming this promise and haven't received Jesus, this promise isn't for you. Instead, he will fulfill another promise that he's made. If you don't trust him, he has promised that the destiny is, your eternal destiny is apart from him forever in hell. He offers a gift of salvation and he promises that everyone who receives this gift, everyone who trusts in him will be saved. And he will be faithful to that. 
So the question today is, are you feeling like God has left you? Are you feeling that God has left you? John 10, 27 through 29 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I will give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So, has God left you? Well, you might feel like that, but if you're a Christian, if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior and you meant it, no, God hasn't left you. He is keeping you. Now, you might feel he's left you because circumstances have gotten bad in your life. Maybe you feel emotionally distanced from him. Well, it's never God who, who leaves, but we can walk away from intimacy with him in sin, in compromise. But he's still, the Holy Spirit's still in our life. And as soon as we repent and say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, and we, you know... We can restore that intimacy with him. Well, sometimes if it's a habitual sin, the Lord, that intimacy might not come until we start having victories over that habitual sin. But Jesus is still there. His spirit is still in our lives. He promises. He is faithful. He won't leave us. You know... There are other Christians who might teach other things and and believe other things. But because of these verses in Romans 8, the end of Romans 8, what can separate us from the love of Christ, from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? And it goes through, can anything separate us? No, nothing. No created thing can separate us from God's love when we're in his family. Now, I think... When you hear a sermon like this, I think maybe some need to get their life back right with the Lord. Maybe you made a decision as a child and and you've been far away from God and, and you don't feel saved. Well, you know, either it's a, it's a relational intimacy because you have wandered and have been living for yourself and sin for so long that God seems to be not in your life Or, as a child, when you received Christ, that wasn't genuine salvation. You didn't truly believe. And only God can determine that. And so, the answer is, trust Jesus today. Ask Him to be your Savior today. It's very simple. But, it's in here that matters. A prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. I have sinned, and I am sorry for my sin. And Jesus, I believe that I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, and that you rose victorious from the grave over sin and death. Jesus, I repent. Save me. A prayer like that, God promises you will be saved. If that's your heart's cry before the Lord, and you can do that today. Worship team, come on up here. And uh, we're going to close uh, with a song about God's faithfulness. And um, I want us all to stand. And as, as we stand and sing this song...
Um, if the Lord is calling you in your heart and you're saying, Lord, yes, I'm, I, I need to come back into, into a close walk with you. You haven't left me. I've wandered from you, but you've stayed in my life incredibly. And you want to get your life back right with the Lord. I'm going to ask that you come and join me up front here while we're singing. There's only, I think, a, a few verses of this song. What are we singing? Greatest, greatest thy faithfulness? Yes. Yeah. All right. So just join me, and I'll have a word of prayer with you. So, um, yeah, we're going to sing Greatest Thy Faithfulness.